This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevateerie.tv. Good morning, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Good? Hey, we're starting a brand new series today called Swipe Right. And we're gonna be talking over the next three weeks about attraction and dating, relationships, and yes, sex. It's gonna be awesome, all right? And we're gonna use the Bible as our guide to do it. In fact, if you have your Bible, go ahead and find the Song of Solomon's, uh, Song of Solomon, maybe it's called Song of Songs in your text, but go ahead and open that up. And while you're getting there, let me tell you why we're talking about this. Because studies say that 40% of people, 40% of you in this room have been impacted uh, in one way, shape, or form by a failed relationship or a failed marriage. That one out of two nearly people in this room have a hurtful story to tell about divorce. In fact, one out of four people, 25% of the people in this room right here, right now, here's Here's what you've thought about. You've thought about giving up. In fact, right now, you might be thinking you're, you're tired, you're done. You might be in the middle of a failed relationship or marriage, and you want to throw in the towel. And honestly, I've gotten to that place where I'm kind of sick and tired of those statistics, and I'm really tired of the enemy doing the best job that he can to destroy marriage and relationships, and if you're in a situation like that, here's what I know. It's complicated because your situation is different than your situation. And, and you know what you're going through right now is much different than what he's going through. And I'll talk to people all the time, and they're going to tell me these, these heartbreaking stories. And a lot of times, I just don't even know what to say. We just kind of raise our hands and go, God, help. We need your help in this area of our lives. Something's got to give. Something's got to change. And I honestly believe one of the reasons why um, we're relationally broken is because we've been following the world's example. We've been following the world's way of thinking, the world's approach to, to dating and relationships and sex. And honestly, it's setting us up for failure, and we need to get back to God's standards and his approach. Like the world is directing our philosophy through television, media, Hollywood, movies, our philosophy of dating, and it's, it's just not working. Normal is not working. In fact, Tender, you know, Tender, the, the app where we, we took this name from, you know, Swipe Right, is telling you what your relationship should look like. Ashley Madison is telling you, is telling your kids what your relationships should look like. And so this kind of series is a reset for us, I'm hoping. I'm praying that, that we, we would come back to what God's standard is and what he says. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to learn to swipe right, the emphasis being on right, all right? We're going to swipe right because so many of us are swiping wrong. Look around, we've swiped wrong, haven't we, sometimes? Just kidding, I'm just kidding. 
Don't, don't look at your neighbor and tell them that. I swiped wrong. Dang it. But here's what's going to happen over the next few weeks. You're going to have this tendency as we, as we look at this and we look at God's standards to say this. You're going to say, Colby, well, I've already screwed up. I've already failed. You know, I guess it's too late for me. This is just the way I am. This is just what we've done. And you're going to want to tune this out. And I would say, don't do it. Like, do your best, no matter what your story is, no matter what your past has been, do your best to lean into this and really learn and apply God's word. And we're gonna look at the Song of Solomon. Let me tell you a little bit about this book before we dive in. Uh, it was written by King Solomon. This was one of three books that he, he wrote. In fact, he's the third king of Israel. You got King Saul, David, and then Solomon. And he wrote the book of uh, Proverbs, most of it, and Ecclesiastes, and this one, the Song of Solomon. Now, that's not the best translation for the title. Like I said, your Bible might say the Song of Songs. And that's a much better translation because what it basically means is out of the 1,005 songs that Solomon wrote, uh, 1 Kings chapter three tells us that, that out of the 1,005 songs that he wrote, this is the best one. Like he's saying that this is the greatest hit, that this is the best song that I've ever written. It was written in 900 BC, which is about 3,000 years ago. And for it being 3,000 years old, it's spicy. It's edgy, right? I mean, this is, this, there's gonna be some stuff we're gonna talk about that's going to make you blush, right? It's gonna make you like, Really, that's in there? And so because of that, I wanna lay down some ground rules for studying this book, some ground rules for, for this series that we're going to engage in. And the first one is this, listen for yourself. Don't be nudging, don't be amening, honey. You know, don't be like, hey, I told you that's what you've been doing wrong this whole time, you know, kind of thing. None of that, all right? Listen for yourself. The second thing, second ground rule is this, there's no condemnation in Christ. Because I know as we look at this and we look at God's standards, you're gonna have the tendency to wanna compare your life to what God's word says. And you're gonna get discouraged, you're gonna feel overwhelmed, you know, but here's what you need to know. I wanna be very clear about this. When you start saying, look how far away I've gotten from God's standards, Jesus makes all things new, amen? Jesus makes all things new. New, so it doesn't matter your story, it doesn't matter where you've been, that you get a fresh start. You get a do-over, you know, you, you get a, a new opportunity. In fact, I, I taught the youth this this last Wednesday, that there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation uh, is what the enemy brings, the devil brings, and this is what condemnation says. You screwed up, and there's nothing you can ever do to fix it. You're done. You're a loser. That's condemnation. Conviction is what Jesus brings. He says, all right, all right, you failed at that, but there's a way out. There's something better. I have something more in mind for you. So with Christ, you know, there's no condemnation, all right? So I don't care what your story is. I don't care how bad you messed up. Jesus makes all things new. The third ground rule is this. This is gonna be PG6G. I made that up. If you have a child, all right, that is in fifth grade or under, all right, this is a great series for them to visit our Elevate Kids ministry, all right? I'm just saying. 
This is gonna, in fact, I would do that, I'm gonna tell you that anyway, because we have some of our best serve team leaders back there teaching your little ones about Jesus on their level, really loving them, engaging. It is an amazing, amazing uh, program that they have back there in Elevate Kids. So you need to take your kids back there. But if you decide, hey, my kid's staying in here with me, even though you know they're fifth grade and under, that's on you, all right? I don't wanna get an email about it because I'm warning you now. In fact, if you want to email me, go ahead and send it to dsanford at gracechurch.com <laughs> and I'll respond as quick as I can to that, all right? Stop it, he's a friend, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But we do always ask that if you do have little ones in here and if they're being a distraction, go ahead and take, take them out into the lobby, enjoy the rest of the service from in there. And we don't say that, I don't say that to be a jerk. I say that because we really do uh, our best to create an environment where people can come in and listen to God's word and hear God speak to their life where they are. And so that's the only reason we say, hey man, take your little ones out if they're being a distraction into the lobby. But, but if your kids are in sixth grade or beyond, this is going to be entirely appropriate for them, all right? Because they're hearing more than this in school. So we're gonna jump right into this. And the fourth thing, real quick, um, this book is not to be used as a pickup line kind of guidebook. Because <laughs> it was written as a poem. It was written as a lot of like allegory, right? So there's symbolism throughout. So we're gonna read things like, uh, that say this, you know, your belly is like a heap of wheat. That's not the line you're gonna wanna use on your wife. Or things like, you know, you don't wanna go home tonight saying your breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Like, you don't wanna do that, okay? So, you know, there's a lot of symbolism, there's a lot of allegory. We're gonna kinda pick those apart. I'm gonna explain what those, those mean to you. Those are the ground rules. So here's where we're going today. We're gonna look at chapter one and a little bit of chapter two where there's this initial attraction that takes place. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced that we have been using the wrong measurement for attraction. We've been using the wrong ideals for what attractive looks like. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. Next week, chapters two and three, um, they start like really entering the whole dating process. So if you're a parent and you got you know, kids, make sure that they're here for that. Make sure your teen's here. You know, make sure that your, your, even your grown kids you know, are here. Or if you're grown you know, and you're dating, like be here for that. Because the world is lying to us on what dating should look like. And I really do believe that it's one of the root causes of failed relationships. Just the way that we approach dating. And then week three, you know, we're gonna look at chapters three through five. That's honeymoon night and afternoon. Sky rockets in flight. Sky rockets in flight. All right, thank you, thank you. So you, bunch of ungodly people in this room. Hey, hey, that, like, the Starland vocal band came out with that song, Afternoon Delight. Like, they didn't start that. This was, like, in the Song of Solomon, all right? The Song of Songs. It's all over the, the place. So we're gonna talk just about sex. It's gonna be awesome March 5th. Make sure I see the guys, you know, putting that date in their calendar right now. That you're here for that. So week one, swipe on the right. The order of attraction we're gonna talk about. Week two, swiping all wrong. And that's the whole, you know, wrong approach to dating. And then week three, swipe all night. So three short weeks, all right? <laughs> three short weeks. 
for you to really lean in and hear what God wants to say to you. Now, whenever we do something like this, the pushback always comes. Why on earth, Colby, would you talk about sex in the church? Is this appropriate? And number one, I would say it's because our approach to it is not working. Normal is not working. That God wants better for us. Number two, I would say, well, the Bible has a ton to say about it. So obviously God thought it was important, right, for us to dive into this. And number three, if we're not talking about it, then who should be? Where should your kids be learning about this? The locker room? Like the school room? From, from social media? From Hollywood? No. Like the world needs to come back to God's standard. Because I see it and I've seen it in here, in this room, with people in this room and in this church, this wake of disaster that's left behind, you know, when marriages fail. When families split apart, I've seen, I've seen nasty custody battles where children have been used as leverage and it's, it's disgusting and it's wrong. And so we need something different. And I believe God wants something better for us. So if you don't wanna build you know, your relationship on this, this fragile foundation of infatuation that lasts about 18 months or so, or if you, you don't wanna construct it on, on compromise, then let's lean into this. Let's really, let's, let's, let's go. Like, let's see what God's word says. Let's do better, all right? Touch your neighbor and say, I want something better. Right now, go ahead. Touch your neighbor. I want better. I want better. I need better than you. Just kidding. Just kidding, I'm kidding. Chapter one, verse one, here we go. Solomon's song of songs. In other words, he's saying out of all of them, that I wrote, 1,005, this is the best. Let him kiss me with kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfume. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the maidens love you. Now what you're gonna see is there, there are kind of three people speaking in this. One is the, the woman, which she speaks about twice as much as the guy does in this thing. Just saying, it's been around for a long time. Um, the next one is the guy, and then there's this chorus of people, like these other people kind of cheering them on in this relationship, in this, this courting process. And the first quality, if you wanna underline that word, your name, that is mentioned is his character. She says, your name. Your name is like perfume poured out. Your name has meaning. Your name has value. The first thing that should attract you is this godly kind of character. Have a good name. A man's name is important, guys. What you stand for is important. She was attracted to his name. And the bottom line is if you want a, a, a godly marriage one day, you need to have godly character today. Like have a, have a good name. Then she says, no wonder all the young women love you, but you're mine. She says, you're mine. They want you, but they can't have you. Verse four, take me away with you. Let's hurry, let the king bring me into his chambers. So she's, she's like laying it on thick. She's like, man, I want you, let's go. And then the friends jump in, they say, we rejoice and delight in you. We praise your love more than wine. So this group of people is supporting it. They're going, hey, hey, man, you're so lucky. Girl, you're lucky that you got that guy. Like, like he's awesome. And then she launches into this idea that I really want to begin our teaching today. And that is that the attraction was based on the right thing. In fact, an alternate title for this, if you want to write it down, is this, that we should swipe right 
on the right stuff first. Make sure that you're swiping right and you're dating relationships and that, that process on the right stuff first. That God has an order to his attraction to what that, that looks like. And here's the application for you. If you're not married and you're dating, you're looking, you should know that God has an order of attraction. In other words, what you should be attracted to first. Swipe right on the right stuff first. And if you're single, this is gonna help you learn exactly what will help make you more attractive because you've been saying, you know what, I can't find anybody, I can't find a, a godly guy. Well, this is gonna help you discover what will make you more attractive. And if you're married here today, here's the application for you. I'll say it like this. You probably put a lot of time and energy into pursuing that man or that woman and then somewhere along the way it stopped and the, the, the brakes got put on and now you're not as attracted to that person as you used to be. And I'm not talking about just physical you know, attraction, but when that happens, the world starts becoming more attractive and that's where issues start to come up. That's where problems begin. And she says here in verse five, hey, 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 he wasn't attracted to my body. That's for sure because verse five, dark am I. Now I know here's what you're thinking, like, you know, dark am I. You know, she's saying, man, this girl's got a tan, you know, that's hot, you know, because that's what we're all looking, like in this day and age, like the darker the better. Everybody's trying to get tan, going to the booth, you know, getting that leathery skin, you know, kind of thing going on. But that wasn't what was happening in this culture. In fact, the darker you were, it just meant that you, you did a lot of hard labor, that you were out working in the vineyards, you know, that you were out, you know, in the sun and you were darkened by the sun. She says, but even though I'm dark, even though I might not be as attractive based on the world's standards, she says, I'm lovely. Maybe I'm not attractive on the outside, but it's built on something more. Dark in my yet lovely daughters of Jerusalem, dark like the tents of Kedar, like the tent curtains of Solomon. And those were jet black. In fact, they used like black goats, you know, to make those, those tents, that black goat hair. And then verse six, she says, don't stare at me because I'm dark. So obviously this is a point of insecurity for her. And I wanna say students, young people, people dating, you better not let this be the first thing you're attracted to. You better not let this be the first thing you're attracted to because first of all, it doesn't last. It doesn't stay there. Like, right ladies? He never looked better than he did on his wedding day. From there, it's all downhill. <laughs> because he spent, you know, six months to a year in the gym getting ready for the wedding day. He's not gonna see another treadmill for another six years after that. It's all downhill, it doesn't stay there. And if you build your attraction on just the visual, just what you see, it doesn't last. It will fall apart. I mean, that's a moving target. Verse six says, don't stare at me though because I'm blackened by the sun. The sun has darkened my skin. And then she says, why? My brothers were angry with me so they put me out in the vineyards. They made me do their, their work so I couldn't care for my own vineyard. And when you see that, that's one of those uh, statements. She's, she's referring to her vineyard as her body. So I couldn't care for my, my own body. So I don't look that good anymore is what she's saying. This is obviously a point of insecurity. Tell me, verse seven, you whom I love, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at midday. And then she asked this question, and I want, this is a great question, ladies. 
Why should I be like a veiled woman? A veiled woman was a prostitute. In other words, she's saying, why should I just let you do whatever with me that you want to do? Why should I let you touch me wherever it is that you want to? Why why should I be like a veiled woman, a prostitute beside the flocks of your friends? So she's basically in this moment announcing to the world, hey, let me tell you something, even though I'm not that physically attractive and I don't feel that physically attractive, that, that he loves me because of something else that there's something much deeper than just what you see on the outside, that this great guy, Solomon, he thinks I'm amazing because, listen, young people, because I did not compromise my values. Why should I be like everyone else? Why should I let you do what everyone else does? Let me tell you why he likes me. And the first blank, first thing I want you to write down is this, is because she was attractive spiritually. The first order of attraction should be that you're spiritually attractive, spiritually. He looked at me, he said, man, that person has values, that person has virtue, she has integrity, that's someone I can be with. She looked at him and said, hey, he has godly character. He's got a good name. His name is important to him. He stands for something, he has values, and that first attraction should be spiritually. And here's the pushback that I'll get from, from ladies from time to time, they'll say, yeah, but Colby, the only guys that I'm with, the guys that I'm with, they don't care about my virtue. They don't care about my, my, my values. With all due respect, I'd say he's the wrong guy. Amen. But, 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 they'll say, but that's the only kind of guy I seem to attract. That's the only kind of fish that I'm catching. Well, you catch fish based on two things, the location that you're fishing and the bait that you're using. So I got two questions for you. Where are you fishing? And what are you using as bait? Ladies, single ladies, if you're fishing at the club on a Friday night and the bait you're using is your cleavage, I'm sorry, too honest for church? Too honest? and that's what you're using as bait, then you are catching the exact fish that you're fishing for. Is it really that simple, Colby? Absolutely. Like attracts like. If you want something more, if you want something better, if you want someone with godly character, well then you need to have godly character too. And if, and if you're spiritually attractive, listen, it's going to impact those areas of your life. You're not gonna go to the club. It's gonna impact the way you dress. It's gonna impact the people that you hang out with. If you're spiritually attractive, it will impact your life. If godly character reigns in your life, you'll attract godly people. And I would argue all day long that, that a great marriage isn't, isn't about finding right, the right person to be with. It's about becoming the right person yourself. Like attracts like, and I'd say this to you married guys, you want, you want the love back in your relationship? You want that, that fire to burn again? You, know, you, want, you want your home life to look different? You want your family to look different? Maybe things are just kind of taking a dip in that area and you want it to work again? Or if you're single you know, and in your dating life right now, the first attraction has to be your love for God because your love for God is so attractive. It really is. And that's why I'd say, hey, guys, in worship here, if you would just get your hands out of your pocket during the songs 
and just give me a little half-mast worship, like right here. I'm not saying you gotta go full-mast, you know, and go crazy. I'm just saying, like right here, like carry the baby, carry the baby worship right here, right? And then one day, seriously, one day, you can get up to, you know, my fish I caught was this big kind of worship, like right here. We'll do touchdown Jesus another day. But I'm being serious, guys. If you would get your hands out of your pockets during worship, you know what? Your spouse would see that and they would be blown away and they would respect that. Why? Because every woman wants a spiritual leader, a spiritual leader. They want you to lead her that way. And it is so attractive when you do. If you wanna regain some of that in your life, man, you just, you really dive in. You have to be spiritually attractive first. And that comes when we love and we honor God. It's one of the most attractive things on the face of the earth. And this Shulamite woman, we find out that she's known as the Shulamite woman. She's from a place called Shulam. She says, I'm not gonna be like everyone else. Not gonna, why would I be a veiled woman? Why, why wouldn't I, you know, I have values. I honor God. And Solomon goes, that's someone I can be with. That's someone I can trust. That's someone that I can spend the rest of my life with. That's someone who won't compromise because if, if the, the relationship is built on compromise, guess what? The entire relationship, you're gonna be worried, you know, if she's gonna compromise again with someone else or if he's gonna compromise again with someone else. And I, I'd say this too, if you wanna become more spiritually attractive, guys, girls, get connected to your God-given purpose. Like serve that way. Run after God hard with your whole heart and your whole life. We have couples that serve together in this church and I promise you, it impacts their marriage. Like it makes their marriage better. They'll serve together out in the parking team. We got a couple that serves, you know, greeting you at the door, Matt and Gwen Saft, every Sunday when you come in. Like serve together, find your purpose together. Find something to do to advance the kingdom of God together. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, It'll do wonders for your marriage. Host a group together. Do something together. Have some godly standards. It's the first and most important thing. So young people that are dating and maybe not so young people that are, are dating, I would say this. If your relationship is progressing and you could see it you know, going to that next level, you could see weddings you know, someday in the future of that relationship, Like I would have that talk today. I would say, all right, you know what? I can see this moving forward, but here's what we're not going to do. Have values. Say, so you ain't getting any of that until the wedding night, right? Seriously, have values, because if it's left untalked about, eventually, you're gonna cross that line because you haven't discussed it, because the world's way of thinking, saying it's okay. In fact, I'll just say this, 90% of all the sex scenes that happen on television and movies, 90% of them happen between couples that aren't married. So what is the world trying to tell you? 90%. And they, they make it all look like it's fun and exciting, right? But they never show you the aftermath. They never show you the tears that are cried, the pregnancies you know, that happen, the, the, the fear, you know, the resentment, the, the pain, the hurt, the shame. They don't show you that side of it. They want you to think that it's all fun and games and it's good and it's not working. It's not working. So I know it seems countercultural, right? And I know it seems old school. You're like, Colby, dang, man. Well, I don't know what you thought. 
I don't know what you were expecting you know, to hear from me in this church. But we need to get back to some of God's standards. He has something better. So we need to swipe right on the right stuff. The order of attraction is important and it starts with the spiritual. The second one is the Frenchual. It's not a real word. I'm just waiting for somebody to recognize that. <laughs> Frenchual attraction. I couldn't think of a better word, all right? So I made it up. Frenchual attraction. Let's keep reading. Verse nine says, I liken you, my darling. All right, he uses that word darling. Do you got like a pet name for your, for your spouse, for your man, for your, for your woman? He says, my darling. And that word darling in the Hebrew is the word um, R-A-Y-A-H. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce it right. It's like raya, raya. You gotta have like some phlegm in the back of your throat or something, it's weird. But it literally means my best friend, my companion. Like you are my best friend. It says my, my best friend. Like I don't just, I don't just, you know, wanna get married. You know, it's not all just about, you know, your body and let's have sex and you know, this whole thing. But I like you. I wanna spend time with you, my, my darling. Girls, guys, what do you call, you know, your, your man or woman? Is it affectionate? Is it endearing? Or is it like, hey, get over here. You know, I don't know. What do you call them? Hey, you. He says, my darling, you should be developing that, that friendship and the relationship. I liken you, my darling, to a mare harnessed to one of the chariots of Pharaoh. Now, that doesn't sound super romantic. Here's one of those areas where we need to dive in a little bit. Um, Pharaoh's chariot was pulled by these like pure Egyptian, like beautiful white horses that were almost thought to be godlike. So what he's saying is, hey, 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 you know what? I, I have that much respect for you. Like you are that amazing. You are that beautiful, my darling. You're like a mare harnessed to one of chariots, uh, chariots of Pharaoh. Your cheeks are beautiful with earrings. Your necks with strings of jewels. We will make earrings of gold studded with silver. And then she responds, while the king was at his table, my perfume spread his fragrance. My lover is to me a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. Now, I don't know what a sachet of myrrh is, but I bet he was glad he was one. You know what I'm saying at that time? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, people. If you can't have fun with this, it's gonna be a long three weeks, all right? I'm just saying. Basically, what she was saying was she had this, this fragrance around her neck that when she would lie down, you know, it was right here. And so, in other words, she's saying, hey, you're, you're on my thoughts. You're on my mind all night long. All I can do is think about you. Even when I, when I lay down, you just, you, you, you fill my, my thoughts. My lover is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engedi, which is a, a beautiful red flower. Basically, she says, you're my friend. You're my, my darling. I think about you all the time. Kristen is my best friend. Like, all I want to do is hang out, you know, with her. Whenever we have a day off away from kids on Friday's my day off, like, we'll go out and do stuff together. Love to hang with my, my friend. Friendual attraction is so important. We'll go out, we'll play tennis. And we're terrible at tennis, but we don't care. Go to Prescott, run, you know, around the beach, that kind of thing. She's just my friend. Every night, you know, we'll put our boys to bed and for at least an hour or so, you know, we got time just ourselves together that we just get to hang out. The babies change that a little bit, just being honest. But we just get to hang out. We'll watch, you know, Netflix. We'll watch The, the Office over again. Office is awesome. 
blacklist, things like that. We just, we just hang out together because she's my friend. And I'd say one of the keys in this, this friendship relationship are you gotta stop using the harsh words with each other. Because guys, you don't really understand how, how hard those hit sometimes. Girls, you don't understand how hard those land sometimes. And you should avoid using absolutes. Friends build each other up with their words. Like, avoid using absolutes like, you never, or you always, you know, do this, or, or you, you, you uh, every single time, you know, you, you do this. Avoid using absolutes. And in your dating relationship, you need to date each other long enough for all that sweet talk, love, my darling stuff to stop. Because eventually it will. There's this period of infatuation, about 12 to 18 months, when you're like, oh, he's perfect. She's perfect. They ain't perfect. Now I know that we think they are, but I would just watch the way, watch the way he talks to his mom. Because eventually that's how he's gonna talk to you. Watch the way that she talks about other people around you, because eventually that, that could be you. And by the way, those of you that, that aren't married, here's what you need to know. If you don't build them up and encourage them, there's someone else who's willing to affirm your spouse. There's someone else who is, who's willing to sweet talk them. And I am convinced that adultery doesn't happen because of, a, of lust or because of a, of, of a need for sex. That adultery happens because there's this vacuum, this, this void that gets filled with, with words of affirmation from someone else. There's this need to be affirmed. There's this self-esteem. So Angie, you know, does a great job with her, her um, project and her report. And somebody comes up to her after the report and says, hey, Angie, you killed it. Man, that was amazing. Angie says, you think I did good? Yeah, that was awesome. And by the way, you're killing that skirt today. You think I look good? And entertaining thoughts lead to oftentimes action, lead to something that's hard to contain. And it wasn't a need for sex. It wasn't a need. It wasn't just lust. It was affirmation, the need for their self-esteem to be built up. So I just say this, guys, girls, when was the last time you built each other up with your words? And for her, it's more about affirming her qualities. For him, it's more about affirming his abilities, right? The things that, that he does. Like Kristen's from time to time, she'll just say, hey, you know, why do you love me? And I'll just tell her. In fact, just this week, you know, I'll just, just tell her and just kind of rolled out a list. And uh, she's like, I need a little more. All right, well, your eyes are beautiful, you know, and this and that. Give me a little more. I'm like, okay, okay. What am I gonna get at the end of this? I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. Don't think that way, guys. <laughs> that's wrong, that's messed up. Six weeks after the baby comes, you guys know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. But for guys, it's more about his abilities, right? You build him up that way. Hey, Colby, you killed it today. You brought God's word like a boss, right? Builds you up. Builds you up. Guys, it's not about his, his body. A woman can be drop-dead gorgeous, look in the mirror, find one flaw, right? And go, I hate this about me. A guy, you know, can be fat and ugly and look in the mirror and go, what's up? Looking good. <laughs> it's just the way it works with guys and girls. Make sure that you're affirming the right stuff, right? Make sure you're affirming 
the right thing. And I, this all starts with the spiritual. I'd say about 75% of that order of attraction should be spiritual. Should be spiritual. And then I'd say about 20% should be Frenchful. And the last 5%, and this is the last one for today, is the physical. Is the physical. Look at verse 15. It says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. And so notice he's starting to focus on the physical features. Your eyes are like doves. And we're not going to dive into this. But, but rabbis would teach that the eyes are like the gateway to the soul. That the eyes, you always start with the eyes. Your eyes are like, like doves. How handsome. She, she responds, are you my lover? How charming. And our bed is verdant. The beams of our house are cedars, our rafters are firs. So they're outside, basically lying in a field, you know, kind of looking up. They're building this friendship, this courtship thing that happens. And so now they're focusing on the physical features, physical attraction. And we're going to spend an entire message, like I said, March 5th on the physical. Because guys, I'm saying if you want this part of your relationship to come alive, like don't miss it. And even though I would give it like 5%, a small percentage, it's still a big deal. It's really a big deal because if we don't get this right, it has huge um, ramifications. It can destroy a lot of things. So we need to get this right. And I believe that great sex is not an accident. And I think it happens intentionally, but we'll talk about that. But we need to get the physical right. And he's focusing on her inner beauty. So let's look at what true beauty is because our world is, is lying to us. And so here's this girl that from the beginning, she said, you know what, don't stare at me, don't look at me. I'm embarrassed by the way I look, I've been darkened by the sun, don't, don't look at me. And the world would have you believe that true beauty is the girl that you see on the cover of a magazine, you know, which was airbrushed to get to that place anyway. And we have this expectation that's a lie, chapter two, verse one. She says, because of the way he treats her, though, because he's loved her past those insecurities and that way that she felt physically, she says, I am a rose of Sharon. And this is the same girl that said, don't stare at me because I'm not attractive. Now she says, I'm a rose of Sharon. I'm like drop dead gorgeous. I'm a lily of the valleys. And then she did what every girl will do when she feels loved through her flaws, loved beyond that point. Skip down to verse five. She goes, I can't take it anymore. Let's go to bed. Strengthen me with raisins, she says. Now, straight up, raisins were an aphrodisiac. You can study it. You can look at it. It's basically like chocolate and oysters for us. She's saying, I'm ready. Strengthen me with raisins. You know, give me some apples. Obviously, they like fruit in their lovemaking kind of thing. I'm faint with love. And the lily of the valley. And then the daughters of Jerusalem chime in again and say, hey, 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 hold up. And this is what I want to say, hold up. I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. In other words, let's make sure we develop this God's way. Like first with the spiritual, do you have godly character? Do you have virtue? Do you have values? Because really it all hinges on that. And then with the friendship, like are they your friend? You just wanna spend time with them. You get, them, get to know them that way. They're your companion. And then the physical. 
And I would say this, as we continue this over the next couple weeks, here's what you need to remember. There's no condemnation in Christ. Like even if you feel like maybe you failed along the way, you know what? You get a fresh start. Jesus makes all things new again. Why don't you bow your head, close your eyes. Maybe you're here today and you've been so focused on the world's way, the world's approach to dating and relationships. And today, Jesus is bringing that conviction to your heart. Just to give you a, a new, new set of eyes on how we, how we look at this in our lives and how we move forward with relationships. Or maybe, maybe you are married here today and the Spirit's speaking to you and maybe you've let some of that attraction go. And again, not just physical, but maybe spiritual attraction. You haven't maintained a high moral character. You haven't pursued God first. You haven't made yourself attractive spiritually. Maybe you need to step up. Guys, maybe you need to be the leader that God wants you to be, the spiritual leader, the, the head of the house that way. Give her something to follow. Ladies, maybe you haven't been virtuous in every way. Maybe you've been fishing with the wrong bait. And maybe Jesus would bring conviction to you today. Say, hey, you wanna find godly men? You gotta become godly. That having a great marriage, doing it God's way is more about who you're becoming rather than finding someone else. As we talk about conviction and condemnation, here's what some of you need to hear today. I said, if there's anyone in Christ, there's no condemnation. The old things are gone, the new has come. Well, when I say in Christ, I mean that you've, you've given your life to follow him. Like you, you wanna have a relationship with him. You've understood that you're apart from him, that, that on your own, you can't do this. On your own, you'll make mistakes, and on your own, you'll have the shame and the guilt that comes along with that. But in Christ, even though you make mistakes and you fall, he gives you a way out, he gives you something better. And you might be honest and say, today I'm not in Christ. I've never began that relationship with him. And I wanna give you an opportunity to do that today. And the way we enter into a relationship is through prayer, through confessing our sins, and believing that Jesus came and lived a perfect life to take our sins and die for us today. And today you could be new, you could have that fresh start. So if that's you today, pray this prayer with me in your heart. Jesus, today, I want you to forgive me for my sin, for all the ways that I've approached this wrong, for doing my life apart from you, I know I need a savior. Tell him that again. I know I need a savior. So Jesus, come into my life. Make me new. Give me that fresh start. Help me to follow you each day. Thank you for dying for me and forgiving my sin. In Jesus' name, every head bowed, every eyes closed. If you say, Colby, I prayed that with you today for the first time, would you raise your hand? I wanna just acknowledge you and pray for you. And you just say, Jesus, thank you. That's awesome. God bless you. God bless you. That's awesome. Praise God for you. 
Everybody praying for them. Jesus, today, thank you for life change. Thank you for those that made that commitment to pursue you above anyone and everyone. God, that our first relationship needs to be with you. Help us to have godly character. Help us to be virtuous in Jesus' precious name. Amen, amen. Church, celebrate with those right now. Praise God for you. We're always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevateerie.tv.